Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. This is an hour dedicated to understanding a little more about ourselves, our beliefs, and how we approach enlightenment. Indeed, an hour devoted to learning something more, not just about the world of shoes and chips and sealing wax, but about how, what, and why we think as we do. An hour for the open-minded, willing to challenge some of those old ideas about who we are and what we might become. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right. Every week, I read some of your letters as our way of respecting the very important role you play in making this show successful. Last week, our show was all about zombies, vampires, werewolves, ghosts, and the like. It was supposed to be a serious conversation examining the historical accounts, the psychosocial motivation, the mythical meaning, if any, behind our attraction, and in some instances, belief in these monsters, as well as sort out the fact from the fiction. We had some technical difficulties at the beginning of the show, so I'm not sure just what all happened, but we didn't quite get the objective of the show accomplished. Michael wrote, Eldon, I listen to your program all the time, and I normally love it. Unfortunately, I had to turn it off today with a guy talking about ghosts, vampires, etc. He didn't seem to understand your questions, and I did not find the show interesting. It seems at times he just babbled a bit. I don't know about your other listeners, but I understand fully that many of the beliefs are culturally related. What I wanted to know is whether there is any proof to suggest that the phenomenon is real. If so, what is it? Sorry, but this presentation wasn't up to your normally very high standards. And you know what, Michael? You're absolutely right, and I appreciate your honest feedback. Brian wrote, Eldon, sometimes it is hard to tell as a listener if there is a technical issue or if one of the people just get on a track and keep pushing the words out over the top of the person they are supposed to be communicating with. Bob was a very roundabout speaker, so I can imagine the frustration when the question delivered gets the guest answering to something that was not the point, and they don't stop. I know oftentimes guests have preset questions that they are prepared to answer. Regardless, Bob seemed more like a hesitant witness testifying in court than someone who was taking advantage of the opportunity to get readers interested in buying his book. Maybe he had a ghostwriter. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the feedback. I love the wit, Brian. I do get the ghost connection. Loretta commented, not really sure what I thought about the show. I did learn a lot about customs and where these ideas came from. Interesting how the ideas evolve into something so different. Elaine wrote, it was a great show, Eldon. It brought up interesting things for us all, and your questions had integrity. So that makes a great show. Well, I thank you, Elaine, but obviously there are many different views about this one, including my own. Moving on, Tula wrote, I love your show, and I love your CDs. Now, that's pithy. Thank you, Tula. Antonio wrote, I wish more and more people could use your products. They work miracles in our lives, change our thinking without struggle, not hard, easy change, just listening to wonderful music with the intertalk subliminal messages in background. Bless you and your life's work. It's an amazing legacy for mankind. You know, I, I can say only to that, thank you, Antonio. Your words do humble me. 
Raymond wrote, just wanted to say thank you again for your InterTalk products. I have been consistently using a few of them, and I am consistently pleased with the results. I am seeing in body, mind, and spirit. For example, notice one of the physical changes that the audio series has helped me to transform. And it doesn't stop there. I have noticed many other changes. Thank you for your services, your wisdom, and just being you. Now, Raymond's note came with before and after pictures. And from a plump, rotund fellow to one super fit muscle builder, he has really made some great changes. Congratulations, Raymond. It's terrific to see you looking so healthy. As an aside, if any of you are interested, you can see Raymond's pictures on my Facebook page. He posted his note and pictures on July 25th. Just check the date on the page. Facebook makes that easy and convenient. Pam wrote, Thank you for making some of your products available for free. When one has health difficulties and they're trying to get well, so many doors are closed when you don't have the finances. Thanks for opening a door. Well, you're more than welcome, Pam. And, and for all of you, do remember that we offer several programs at no charge to you as downloads on my site. We think of it as just part of our own Pay It Forward program. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today. But I do invite you to opine. You can express your opinions by emailing me at eldon at eldentaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook. We can't get all of your letters on the air, obviously, but we do thank you for your feedback, and it definitely impacts our programming. We recognize that it is because of your support that our show is successful, and you have our gratitude. Now to today's show, Spiritual Lessons from a Life of Acting. Our guest had to rearrange her schedule in order to join us today. And at that, she will not be able to be with us until about 15 minutes after the hour. So I'll take a little extra time setting up today's show. You know, just yesterday, Ravinder and I were in a conversation with a host of Beyond the Ordinary Radio while appearing as guests on their show. We happened to be discussing the web of life beliefs and how one must use a sort of sensible flexibility about those beliefs or risk becoming rigidly fixed to both outmoded and sometimes ill-conceived thought patterns. Ravinder noted the number of people that teach happiness or relationships or prosperity and so forth, and the disparity between their talk and their walk. In fact, rather than me telling you what she said, Rav, share some of those thoughts with us, please. You know, that, that is the fact. We know lots of people who teach one, teach the very thing that is failing in their lives. Um, we actually heard from someone else who said, uh, how come these people are teaching prosperity if they can't even pay their own bills? Well, your book, What If, you know, we were talking about that just a couple of weeks ago, and I said that the purpose of the book wasn't about telling people how to think. It was teaching them how to think. Or rather, it wasn't about telling them what to think. It's about teaching them how to think. Right. Um, so that really, you know, that kind of sums it up. You have people out there. So you can have someone teaching happiness who is very unhappy. That doesn't necessarily make their teachings invalid. But it does put the responsibility back on you to really pay attention. Just because someone is saying something doesn't make it true. You have to find out that truth for yourself. Well, and that's, that's the point. And it occurred to me then, 
while recognizing the relevance to today's show and other interviews that we've done in the past, just how many of us get to where we are as the result of struggle. And sometimes that struggle involves teaching what we wish to learn. I remember a little book coming out a few years ago titled, Life Was Never Meant to Be a Struggle. Now, I laughed at the title then. Rav and I have joked about the notion that if you want to be a best-selling self-help author, just tell the public what they want to hear, wrap it up some in some pseudo-scientific jargon, and you're on your way. Well, life often fails to tell us what we wish to hear. There are struggles, and we are meant to deal with them. Indeed, one of the stories that I share in my book, I Believe, is illustrative of this point. Let me share that with you. It seems that there was a scientist who loved the emperor moth. So our scientist, completely enamored by the glory and beauty of the emperor moth with its radiant colors, unique patterns, and majestic wingspan, was inspired to study the moth. Carefully, he watched a young caterpillar spin a cocoon, and then he removed the cocoon to his laboratory where he could observe the process. The day finally came that the small crawling caterpillar had become the elegant emperor moth, and the scientists watched with great excitement as the insect began to gnaw its way out of the cocoon. Its tiny jaws chewed away, trying to exit, but it fell back time and again in what seemed to be exhaustion. The scientist watched as the moth worked and failed. He began to imagine the moth speaking to him. Why don't you help me? The creature finally pushed its head out and began to work at pulling its body through the small hole it had created. Each attempt seemed to fail. Progress was so slow that it was basically imperceptible. Our scientists looked on, beginning to feel guilty for not coming to the rescue. The day was coming to an end, and the progress had been so minute that the scientists finally couldn't hold back. With the spirit of a rescue worker, he took his tweezers and carefully opened the cocoon. The moth was free, but so badly deformed that it couldn't fly. It died soon thereafter. Later, our scientists learned that it is the very struggle that shapes the insect's body, forcing fluids out into the majestic wings, giving shape to the giant moth. Without the struggle, without the form resulting from the almost tortuous requirement to pull itself through a small opening in the cocoon, there is no emperor moth. The so-called chrysalis of life does have its way in shaping us, and sometimes the best help is left to self-help. I am convinced that within all of us, there is an almost unlimited resource of power and ability to overcome obstacles and or what I think of as growth opportunities. As I said earlier, sometimes we teach what we want to learn. As such, it should not be uncommon to find teachers that are doing two things at once. First, they may well still be learning what they are teaching. Second, they are teaching from their life experience, and that often includes sorrow, mistakes, struggles, and the like. I think, for example, of Alcoholics Anonymous and how it takes an alcoholic to help an alcoholic. In other words, our best teachers are not necessarily those clean one-owners. No, by contrast, some of our best teachers have made many mistakes. One of my philosophical heroes is Aurelius Augustine, also known as St. Augustine of Hippo. Aside from being one of the all-time great thinkers in my view, 
the one who has probably provided the best account of time in a universe operating on finite time within a realm of the infinite, has had his sainthood assailed by many, due in large part to his confessions. Augustine was not a saint when it comes to looking at his entire life and its behavior. He loved the women and the booze, and, well, you get the point. In my view, that does not in any way diminish his life or work. Indeed, from it we can all take strength and courage and hope, for he dealt with his demons and became St. Augustine of Hippo, doctor of the Catholic Church. We have had many guests discuss candidly their dark night of the soul, their life of hardship and mistakes that led to their eventual epiphanies and present way of life. We have enjoyed the stories of guests that started out doing one thing, only to be derailed and set on a different path that led them to their goals in life. Now I'm told that some people, take the Dalai Lama for instance, come in knowing who they are and what they are here for. Well, our guest today is perhaps a woman that has lived a life full of teachers, both by way of people and situations, and one who has always known the importance of maintaining her light. Thirty years ago, as a gifted young actress from Kansas, Dee Wallace set her sights on a career in Hollywood. Now, most people know who Dee Wallace is, but just in case you're reaching for that familiar connection and not quite finding the right shelf, Dee Wallace became an icon in the role that would define motherhood for a generation as Mary in E.T., their extraterrestrial. Her 130 films range from some of the scariest to the funniest ever made, including Cujo, The Howling, Ten, The Frighteners, and Critters. She has starred in four television series and more than 400 commercials and is one of Hollywood's most sought-after TV guest stars. A beloved acting coach, she is also an internationally known healer with two global radio shows and a series of healing seminars. Her bio states, and I quote, Dee Wallace came in as a bright, shiny light, and she knew from the beginning that her sole quest was to keep that light shining and share it with others. This was a challenge growing up in poor, growing up poor in Kansas amidst all the conflicting religious and social messages of her upbringing. But she stuck to this strong intent and followed her knowingness in a meteoric rise as an actress, becoming an acting icon after only five years with the success of E.T., and then faltering and losing her way, only to reclaim the power of that knowingness later in life. Bright Light works as an autobiographical tale of an actor's life and craft and how that journey applies to everyone's spiritual journey. It is the story of every man, the reclaiming of self. Each chapter of D. Wallace's story is characterized by a concept like intention, in which the narrative becomes an allegorical exploration of its qualities. D. Wallace has rediscovered the wisdom that we all know but forgot. The true success comes from following the heart's lead, and that the mind only creates form for spirit's creative manifestation. Our consciousness is our intelligence, close quote. In her book, Bright Light, Spiritual Lessons from a Life in Acting, and I tell you, this is a very well-written book, a book that will just pull you in right in the get-go. Dee Wallace openly shares her personal life story and provides real-life examples as to how life, 
how we can all live life in bliss. So let's get her in here. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Dee Wallace. Well, hi, and goodness, thank you for that amazing promo. <laughs> well, you deserve that. You, I, I can't believe the amount of energy and enthusiasm that you bring to this subject. I, I mean, I've been involved in this for a very long time, but you go to your website, your greeting, uh, the way you write, it, it's, uh, I, I'm very impressed. So I, 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 we're very happy to have you join us today. I'm very happy to be here, really happy to be here. And, so yeah, let's begin think, at the beginning. I, I think if there's a word that would sum me up, you're right, it's passion. <laughs> I just well, have I a that. lot of passion for life, and I didn't always. I, I didn't love life always, and that's why I wrote Bright Light, because, you know, we just should. Darn it. We should love being here, right? Absolutely, without a question. Now, I mean, you say, uh, in fact... I'm going to share this. I'm going to read from your book on Uh page 120. You say, I can see now how the block that started in my energy system was now created materially in my body. Later, I would learn that this is where all disease begins. It was actually poetic. I had stopped nurturing my soul when my heart closed off. All the masculine energy directed at me had invoked my masculine side and the female energy that is half of creation itself had to be closed off. I was in essence blocking my own nurturing. The sperm of life couldn't reach the egg of creation through the block, a metaphor of life. Now that's, that is a super powerful metaphor. How did you come to recognize the metaphors of life? Well, you know, it's been a journey in this work. Um, The first thing I think I had to well, I know the first thing that we all have to accept is our own self-responsibility and really accepting that we are the creators. We are the God of us that has been given free will to create us howsoever we focus our light. And once you do that, uh, of course, you know, I was also an actor, and an actor's life is a metaphor for life itself. Uh, I started realizing, especially once I started uh, uh, writing Bright Light, how much of a metaphor my acting technique was for the creation technique itself. And that, you know, I had to choose. I had to choose what I wanted to say. I had to then give up and be in the moment, allow myself to be one with the material, one with the other actor, one with the director's intentions also, to co-create, if you would, uh, what we were choosing and focusing the message to be. And that's what we need to do in life. We need to bring the, the metaphor of creation and of sex, if you will. I mean, sex is a perfect metaphor for creation because the, the male and the female must meet together the, the intuitive, the... The divine idea uh, must meet with the power to take it out into the world for any child to be born. And um, that's kind of the core metaphor for life. So any time that we stop creating ourselves, uh, we move out of the balance of masculine, feminine, and child, 
and our power shuts down. You, uh, you know, you you have a very interesting background. Um, to, to a lot of people, you know, you're you're kind of the the um, the scare cream or uh, what, what the the scream queen. That's what it's scream called. Queen, that's that, yeah. That's totally foreign <laughs> to me. I mean, you start in so many of the you know horror flicks that I would think. Well, I uh, candidly, I just don't even watch them. You know, I, I guess that's because. You know, we, we kind of get in our head that as we take this material in, um, it's like a diet. It may be our mental diet, but it does affect our disposition. You must be questioned a lot about that. How can you be the scream queen and also be the bright light? <laughs> well, first of all, I truly believe that we heal by the essence of who we are no matter what we do. It's not what we do that holds the balance and um, shines the light. It's who we are. Secondly, I have to tell you, I questioned that myself, quite frankly, uh, when I started getting into all of this. And um, basically what my channel said to me was, well, but Dee, you've been studying fear all your life. And who better to be a healer because that's what it's all about, is uh, healing ourselves from the very fears that we're creating through the perceptions that we're holding. Nobody else is giving us and holding us down and saying, you have to be afraid in this life. You have to fear that you're not safe. You have to fear that other people have control over you. No, we accept those beliefs and those belief systems. And so who are we really running away from in our own monster movies? Ourselves. That's who we're running away from. And, and so I've had a lot of time in my career to really study fear. And uh, from a creative point of view, what would make the character tick? And on another level also, you know, I don't, quite frankly go see horror films myself. I love to act in them. And why do I love to act in them? Because I'm an actress. And um, I love emotional things, right? I love to walk into uh, an emotional life and play it to the fullest. I love an arc. Um, and I'm a good screamer, as you pointed out. <laughs> now, talking back to metaphors, however, you see... That's what makes a good actress. That's not so much what makes Deanna Bowers from Kansas, a.k.a. Dee Wallace from Hollywood, a strong, powerful creator in her own right. Because in acting, you embrace the choice of going into reaction and emotions. In life, when you allow yourself to go into reaction and live in reaction, you're actually out of creation which takes you out of your power. So it's been an in, uh, interesting ride to understand the dichotomies, but also the parallels and and where they dovetail together in the creation process. All right. Hold that thought. When we come back, I'm going to ask you if they've ever frightened you. <laughs> <laughs> we have a hard break. 
We're discussing the delightful book, Bright Light, Spiritual Lessons from a Life in Acting with the author and biographer, Dee Wallace. You can check out her website at imdwallace.com. If you're not already in our chat room, this is a great time to join in the conversation. You'll want to hurry, for we have a short film for you during the break of our guest in an unscripted moment. We'll be right back. Do you feel like you've become lost in the funhouse, only seeing the reflection of yourself, past, future, and present, but unable to find the real you? I invite you to step through the doorway and onto a pathway leading to understanding of your mind, your choices, and the influences that surround you. Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestselling book, Choices and Illusions. Now expanded, updated, and revised, it will provide you with real-life examples of how you can break free of your current perceptions and begin your journey to How High is Up. Get your copy today from all bookstores or online from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Close your eyes. Imagine your goals and dreams. What's preventing you from accomplishing them? Most often, we are our own worst enemies. I can't. I'm not good enough. It's time to reprogram that inner dialogue. Replace all those negative self-images with, I'm good. I am powerful. I can do anything. Eldon Taylor's Inner Talk patented subliminal technology does just that. Researched at numerous universities such as Stanford and by governments such as Mexico and Germany, InnerTalk has repeatedly been proven effective at changing your self-talk. Stop imagining your goals and make them a reality today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. InnerTalk.com. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. And welcome back. If you just joined us, we're discussing the charming book, Bright Lights, Spiritual Lessons from a Life in Acting. I have to tell you, this is one of the better books that I have read in a long time. Uh, I enjoyed this book. This is a very real person. I think uh, I think we can all benefit from from reading this book. But we're discussing it with author D. Wallace. However, before we get back to today's show, I do want to ask you or remind you to like our Facebook fan page for Provocative Enlightenment Radio. As a fan, you'll always know where we are and what's on next. I would also like to invite you to join me on Facebook while you're there. All right, back to the show. Before the break, I promised to ask you, D, about scaring yourself. Now, I have seen a couple of these fright flicks that you <laughs> starred in. Cujo, for example, scared the living wop out of me. So have you ever, I mean, you see the screenings of the film. You, 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 you must be, I mean, you must see these films yourself. Have you ever frightened yourself as a result of one of them? Oh, not after I watch them, no. Sometimes while I'm shooting them, yes. That's my job as an actress is to go, well, so far over the line that I move into the uh, emotional life of the character because when I do, the audience has to. They have to go on the ride with me. You can always tell, um, even if you're not an actor or a trained uh, professional, you can tell a performance uh, where you go, you know, I just didn't quite buy that or it didn't affect me or it didn't move me, right? 
and one right. where you're just taken on the ride. And I think that's what our job is. As a person, I've got to tell you, um, I've created much more fear for myself uh, than I ever did uh, as an actress being in in the roles. And I think most of our fear, Eldon, comes from our perceived belief that we don't have any control and we are not the God of ourselves that was given free will to create ourselves. And so we spend most of our lives pointing fingers at the people or the things that have happened going, this is why I can't, or pointing fingers toward people or God and going, they're the only ones that can. I can't. And either way you go or anywhere in between until you really move back into your empowerment, which is why I wrote Bright Light, um, then you're kind of fighting a losing battle, really, I think. Swimming and, upstream, at the, at the least. You know, I really want to get into your philosophies because they are, you know, uh, that is the meat of the book. But I have to be true to this show. And this is provocative enlightenment. I have to ask you those one or two tough questions. And one of them has to do, I mean, much of your book is about um, values. You teach values. I love that. Uh, I think there's too little of it. Uh, but now, when you look at values, uh, you and Spielberg had a disagreement about nude scenes. <laughs> But, but you, you've also done nude scenes. So what is your attitude, I mean, how, regarding nudity in the movies? Well, that's an interesting question. I've never had that question, and I adore questions that I've never had. <laughs> Good. So um, my answer to you was would be to hold my integrity around the type of project that it is. And... Uh, let me preface this by saying I, I've never done any type of nude scene where I didn't have in my contract that I had final say over over what it looked like. Okay. Um, that's because some, well, I, I did a very little known film called Shadow Play with Cloris Leachman, and I had a nude scene in there, which ended up, just really being from the back, which is also uh, what I did. finally did in 10. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought that for the vehicle and the audience, that those, and, and the, the message that was trying to be made in those particular vehicles, it was appropriate. I, I really felt very strongly um, during E.T., that we had something incredibly special for the human consciousness. I knew at the minute, you can hear in my voice I get emotional about it even now. Uh, I knew at the minute I read it, I called my agent from behind locked doors and said, you know, I don't know if this is going to do anything for my career, but this is going to do a lot for the world, and I want to be a part of it. Right. And... And so, I mean, you know, I don't know, one of the tabloids, which I find it really hysterical because I've never been in a tabloid in my life except one picture when I was pregnant with Christo- and, and standing with Christopher, which was a very positive thing. 
when Christopher died, and they ran something about that. And then they found this innocuous little quote that I had done in, a, in an Internet uh, interview and made this big deal about, you know, Spielberg wanted the star of E.T. to be nude, which wasn't at all the case and not at all what I said, right? Right. What it was, basically, was we did have a discussion about I'm face down on the bed, and it's that infamous scene where E.T. comes in and puts some Reese's Pieces down by uh, on my nightstand. Stephen wanted the cover down a little lower than I thought it should be. And, I, you know, we talked about it like you talk about anything uh, on a set. You and your director and your other actors co-collaborate. That's what a film set, well, that's what any creative endeavor right. is, even if you are co-collaborating with your channel. And I said, you know, Stephen, this is a family film and it's for children. And, and I, I don't think we should pull focus in any way. And he said, yeah, you know, yeah, I think, yeah, that feels right. And so we pulled the cover up and we went on. So, but the tabloids love to create, you know, this hysteria and this rack of focus, what I call the rack of focus, much like um, the shootings in Colorado are racking our focus now and bringing it back to the violence and the fear instead of the continuing choice and vision of love and a world sustained by love. Uh, which is what we have to take responsibility for if we are ever going to create it and create the world that we say we want. So, Well, you, you've answered my question, and, of course, the reason for the question is in your answer. When, when you don't want to do it in one context but do do it in another context, it gives rise to the legitimacy of the question. I, you, you mentioned... Uh, you know, your the death of your husband. One of the things that you talk about in your book is the suicide of your father. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the deaths have been an important part of how you've made your own discovery in, in, in developing this metaphor. Tell us something about how, how that, uh, you know, how did that inform you of your own life? You mean my father's suicide and my husband's death? Yes. Well, you know, when tragedy strikes like that, Eldon, we have a choice to be a victim and to go, why me? And that has ruined me for the rest of my life and taken my power. Or we get to choose. Everybody leaves, and everybody has a choice to leave when they're ready to leave. And I can use that message to empower me to keep creating me um, and be victorious and not a victim. Now, again, a lot of what I'm saying sounds like really tough love, and it is. It's tough love with ourselves to stay in the empowerment and the magnificence of who we are. And we are magnificent, incredible, powerful beings. But I think 
so many of us that were raised spiritually, which I was, question the authenticity and the, well, whether we're given permission to know and claim that we're powerful and magnificent. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying to all spiritual people out there, we must now, we must come forward and claim our own magnificence and the beings that we are as power, because otherwise we, what we do is we just keep blaming all the people that we perceive as not spiritual, as not caring, as not in integrity, and we get to go, see, that's why the world is going to hell. I have nothing to do with it, and yet we're not coming forward in our power to make a difference. And, and I, lo- I love yeah. how that is said in your book. Now, you, you know, you mentioned this, and so I'm going to ask you, uh, you're raised in conflicting religious and social views, and, and, that, and you grew up with this challenge. In what way have you made a resolution with that today? Well, you know, I've realized that what they taught me wasn't right, and what most of society says is wrong. It's limiting, it's based in fear, and it's based in micromanaging our safety. And um, so do I love my family unendingly? Do I honor them? Absolutely. And do I know that I know a higher truth now? You bet. And that higher truth is that I am the creator of me. And I co-create with the one energy, whatever that term is that you have for it in your life. It really doesn't care. But that energy cannot and will not co-create with me until I direct it. And I direct it through the choice of what I want to direct my light as. So I choose to be love and joy in every moment of my life. Not to have it, but to be it, to, to embody it, to every moment that I am tested in this life or given the opportunity to go to fear instead of love, I go, I choose love. No matter what, I choose love. That's who I am. That's the world I perceive. That's the world I create. And I have to tell you, Eldon, I was, there was nobody further down than I was when I started this journey. I had lost my career. I had lost my soulmate and husband of 18 years, the father of my daughter. I, I fell to my knees and said, I don't want to be this way anymore. You see, and in that moment, I made a choice. I want my light back, and I want a way we can heal ourselves. And the only way we can heal ourselves is to know that it's us that does it. I don't care who's been, you know, we've all been raped, betrayed, misused, um, hurt. They're not going to make it any better for us. They are not going to give us our freedom. We are the only ones that can give ourselves back the freedom that we are so longing for. You know, I, let's just go, let's just take that, because I want to make sure that the audience 
today is exposed to a couple of things that you do. You're a healer, but you have a unique healing approach. In addition to reading your book, I've read your blogs, looked through your website, etc. You know, I I want you to tell the audience how it is that you do the healing, what these uh, one-on-one practices are that, that are available with you. And then I want you to discuss your your creation method, because uh, that, too, is unique. So I'm giving you the floor, Dee. <laughs> Tell us about it, please. Well, okay, a typical um, hour session with me is uh, you call and you say, this is the stuff I want to talk about, and th- these are the perceived blocks that I feel like, you know, like, I want money, Dee. I know I want money, and I'm not creating it. And we go into all the things that might be in your way. Uh, We release them in the moment. We free them up in the moment. We commit to exactly what we need to commit to to take action. And then it's up to you to take the action. And I think that's where a lot of people get messed up is we all think we are taking action and doing something when we're really just thinking about doing it. And we can spend years thinking about doing it. Why aren't they calling me? Why aren't I going out on auditions? Why don't I have more money? Blah, blah, blah. But we're not out creating anything. We're waiting. And waiting is not creating. So uh, they're incredibly powerful sessions. I, I just finished one right before our call. It's the first time I had worked with this individual. And she said to me, Dee, you know, I've been in therapy for over 20 years, and I've never gotten so much clarity as I got in this one hour. And I just opened myself up to the person's channel. As you know, Eldon, the information is available to everybody. And so I ask. I ask for the information, but I I have been given a, a gift of being able to listen to words, feel energy hits, and be able to um, tie together the spider web of beliefs and how they play off each other for a person so that they really, really energetically get and shift what they've been doing and they can move more into empowerment and choose to create for themselves. So I get up every morning before I get out of bed and say my intention today is to connect with the highest knowledge from the world of all unlimited possibilities with the highest understanding possible. It is my commitment to serve myself, others, the world, the universe, and the atmosphere in this way. And so it is. And then I go, okay, Dee, what do you want to create? And I've got to tell you, Eldon, five years ago, I was creating maybe a fourth of what I'm creating now. But when you when you free yourself from your own limitation and you become passionate and believe that you can take these ideas that are given to you and do something with them because you're passionate about it and you're not connected to the outcome you just want to create it's unbelievable how much you can create. Uh, I, 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 two years ago, somebody said, Dee, 
if you're going to go on this journey, you have to have product. Well, the first thing I had to conquer was, do I have anything to say? And how the hell could I charge anybody money for what I think I might have to say? <laughs> and am I really uh, any kind of a professional professional to be charging any money? So those are some of the roads I had to walk until I really started learning what give was. And give is a word I'm determined to get into the dictionary because I don't think people understand receiving and giving at all. They don't understand that it's like a, a, a great hug. When you hug somebody and get hugged back, you give and receive in the same moment. And that is what we want to do with the universe. That's a give. I like that. You know, hug the universe and let it hug you back. The universe, and this is my next webinar, is, is on the most important decision you'll ever have to make, which is based on Einstein's quote, do you see the universe as hostile or friendly? Because every belief system you have stems from that one perception. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you up to taking phone calls? Oh, I'd love it. Love You'd love it. it. All right. Well, let's let's just do that. Let's grab a phone call or two. Once again, your uh, opportunity is to speak with Dee Wallace, author of Bright Light, wonderful actress. I, I don't know whether to call you actor or actress anymore. They oh, seem to matter. flip back and forth on that, don't they? But let's go to Jan in Reno, Nevada, and give Jan an opportunity to speak with you. Jan, you're on the air or live on Yes. How can we help you? Uh, good morning. Hi, Dan. Um, hi. Um, I'm uh, looking for and interested in creative solutions for interacting with an angry family member. Okay. Um, I use this symbol that was channeled to me just even a couple of months ago, which represents a whole formula. You can use I Am Divine Love because we have to balance the energy before uh, we can get the highest information. So the energy's balanced now. You took responsibility for doing that with me. I want you to understand that. I don't do anything for you but bring forward the information. So the highest thing for you to know is it's not about them. It's about you, and you're in reaction to them. So can you briefly tell me what happened without uh, getting too personal? Just briefly tell me. Okay, well, generally speaking, I have a son-in-law who's in law enforcement, and uh, he, I experience him as carrying a lot of negativity, and as his mother-in-law, um, I just don't know how to get along with him. Okay, so in other words, what it comes down to, Jan, is if you don't believe the way I believe, then I'm threatened. And yeah, that's, that's part that's, of it. Excuse me? Yes, that's part of it. Well, that's the basis of every religious war and pretty much every war uh -huh. we've ever seen. So uh -huh. in a small microcosm of a relationship with your son-in-law, you are representing an extraordinarily big, uh, well, metaphor for the world. That okay. when we know that everyone has a right to create themselves, and we are safe because we create ourselves, then 
you can be at peace with him. But right now he's threatening you that if he's negative, you can't hold on to your positive, and that's just not true. He doesn't define you or direct you or create you in any way unless you give him permission to do that. Well, I, I do agree with that. Um, but he gets pretty unhappy when people, uh, you know, don't go along with how he experiences the world. Well, nobody's asking you to go along with how he experiences the world, and you don't have to uh, challenge him about how he sees the world. All right. Thanks for calling, Jan. I hope that was helpful. You know, I, uh, one of the things that I'm going to say right now, Dee, is you're going to come back to the show, right? Oh, I'd love to. We're going to have back. to have you back because the minute I said we'd take phone calls, the lines just went. And, and I'm going to end up having to, you know, we're just not, we don't have the time to take the phone calls. And I hate to leave, you know, our, our callers dangling like that. So you uh, will schedule you back. I do want everybody to know how they can reach you, what the best way to follow up and learn more about you other than read your book. And I, once again, I'm going to suggest to all of you, if you've not read it, if you don't have it, go get it. It's a book you will want to read. I mean, it is one of the best books I have read on this subject. It's it's real. If you listen to the setup piece, this is genuine. This is real. This is a this is coming from life, and uh, and that's its real value. So please, Dee, and in in a few uh, seconds, if you will, tell everybody how what what is the best way to reach you, where to get your book, etc. You can find out everything about me at i am a m d wallace dot com d e e I am dwallace.com. There's direct links to my radio shows, which are free call-in shows, by the way, where I take questions. Um, all of my amazing webinars are up there. Uh, very affordable. Everything on my site is extremely affordable. Um, and um, all the information, there's a lot of great free stuff, too. Uh, Eldon, uh, okay. that will help. She you is the real lot. deal. That's my vote. Well, we've come to the end of another hour of Provocative Enlightenment, and I want to thank you all for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed our show, and we'll join us again next week, same time and same place. And if you have comments on the show, do let us all know. Okay, until next time, wherever you are, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself.